Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kinton Knight. The focus of this episode is Justin Garson's article, There Are No Ahistorical Theories of Function, published in Philosophy of Science in 2019. The function of a watch is to keep time. The function of the heart is to pump blood. The function of the eyes is to gather information about the environment. Functions pop up all over the place. Philosophers of science take a special interest in what exactly functions are. For example, the nose both perceives smell and supports glasses. But while the former is a function of the nose, the latter surely is not. But why is it a function of the nose to perceive smell, but not to support glasses? What is it about functions that could explain this? Philosophical accounts of functions have been divided into two categories, historical and ahistorical. Historical accounts of functions appeal to history in their accounts of what functions are. Ahistorical accounts of functions do not appeal to history. For example, if one appealed to the evolutionary history of humans in order to categorise the nose's ability to smell as a function, this would be a historical account of the nose's function. However, if one thought that a nose could still have the function of smelling, even if it only popped into existence five minutes ago, without a long evolutionary history, one would want to endorse an ahistorical account of function. In this paper, Justin Garson argues that none of the purportedly ahistorical accounts of function really are ahistorical after all, because they all make some appeal to history, even if this is only implicit. Garson first considers Bors's gold contribution account of function. According to this view of functions, a function of some trait is just its contribution to a goal. So, for example, we might think that the broad goal of an organism is to survive and reproduce. An organism's heart pumps blood and pumping blood contributes to the goal of survival and reproduction. So, according to this account, pumping blood is a function of the heart. The heart also makes a faint beating noise, but since this does not contribute to the overall goal of survival and reproduction, making a beating noise is not a function of the heart. Any plausible account of function should also be able to account for dysfunction or disease. According to Bors, a disease is a state that reduces a function below typical efficiency. The heart pumps blood, and throughout the population, there is a typical range of efficiency with which the heart pumps blood. Any state that causes the heart to pump blood at a rate that is below the bottom end of the typical range of efficiency for the population is a disease, according to Bourse. A famous objection to this account of disease is that it cannot account for pandemic disease. If something suddenly caused the whole population to suffer a drastic dip in how efficiently its members' hearts pumped blood, this population would not count as diseased, because the efficiency of the heart would then be typical for that population. In response, Bors says that to establish a trait, in this case the heart's, typical efficiency, we cannot just look at its typical efficiency now, we must look back in time too. What is typical for a species or population must take into account its history. Hence, this account is historical after all. The account of function depends on the notion of typical efficiency, which in turn is historical. According to another purportedly ahistorical theory of function, the propensity theory developed by Bigelow and Pargetter, functions are propensities, that is, probabilistic dispositions. Dispositions are properties that yield some characteristic manifestation in appropriate circumstances. 
For example, fragility is the disposition to shatter when stressed. So probabilistic dispositions will have some probability or chance of yielding a characteristic manifestation in appropriate circumstances. According to this view, the heart's function of pumping blood, for example, is a disposition to improve the fitness of a creature under the right circumstances, i.e. in the right environment. The right environment is also known as the creature's natural habitat. But what is a natural habitat? If global warming suddenly rendered the poles warm and sunny, that would not suffice for it to be true that polar bears' natural habitat is warm and sunny. Bigelow and Pargetta concede that if a creature's environment were to change very suddenly, natural habitat would refer to the environment in some significant time slice before the change. Hence Garson points out that the notion of natural habitat is in fact historical. Contrary to the claim of its authors then, the propensity theory of function is historical. It depends on the notion of disposition, which depends on the notion of natural habitat, which is understood historically. The third purportedly ahistorical account of function that Garson considers is the causal role theory. According to this theory of functions, the function of a component of a system is its contribution to some capacity of that system that we are interested in. So think of the human body, for example, as a mechanism with various components, heart, brain, eyes, skin, etc. If we are interested in the human capacity for survival, we could look at some component of the human body, the skin, say, and whatever contribution the skin made to human survival would count as its function. One such contribution of the skin is that it prevents pathogens entering the bloodstream, so this would count as a function of the skin. So far, this looks apt to be a purely ahistorical notion of function. But what can this theory say about dysfunction? It must say something along the lines of, a trait, e.g. human skin, is dysfunctional when it cannot do what other trait tokens, i.e. the skin of other humans, generally or typically do to contribute to the capacity of interest, in this case human survival. So if the skin of one person could not prevent pathogens entering the bloodstream as effectively as the skin of humans typically does, it would be dysfunctional. But the appeal to typicality renders this view susceptible to the objection from pandemic dysfunction that affected Bors's view. If something rendered a whole population of humans susceptible to absorbing pathogens through the skin, the skin of this population would not count as dysfunctional in any way. But surely we want to say that in this situation the population would suffer from dysfunctional skin. This result can be avoided by making typicality take into account the history of the species or population. Typical human skin, across some time slice reaching back into the past, effectively blocks pathogens. But now we are back to a historical account of function. Garson concedes that there are some less mainstream theories of function that he has not addressed that perhaps do have a better claim to being truly ahistorical. He mentions the modal theory of function in particular, but his concern with the modal theory is that it carves up functions and dysfunctions in a wildly revisionary way. The main motivation for ahistorical theories of function is the belief that if an organism popped into existence five minutes ago, it could still be said to have functional traits. Imagine a creature that looked just like you or I popped into existence. It was not born, nor did it have an evolutionary history. Just one moment it didn't exist, and a moment later it did exist. The eyes of this creature allow it to see its environment just as well as your eyes allow you to see your environment. But since it has no history, we cannot say that the function of this creature's eyes is to see, since there is no account of function that is ahistorical. One might wonder how much of a problem this really is. 
On the one hand, it is certainly very far-fetched that a creature just like you simply popped into existence without any evolutionary history, so who cares if our account of function gives the wrong result in this far-fetched case? On the other hand, perhaps one could bite the bullet and concede that this creature's eyes really do not have a function. Perhaps it's an interesting philosophical discovery that function requires history, and we should embrace all that this implies. <laughs>